thankful. And I pray for each one here that you would... All right, we were looking here, this is in your notes, session four, what to do, the biblical principles and a suggested method. Let's see here. I don't know that this is a clicker. It is not moving... Do I need to? Let's see. Ah, here we go. Thank you. Some prerequisites for biblical decision making. We looked at that right at the beginning this morning. Uh, You want to be rightly related to Christ. That would be the initial startup gospel that's foundational before you ever want to get into what does he want of my life and how to use it in ministry and all of the other decisions are built on the foundation of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Secondly, when I hear people talk about I want to know God's will, a why. And some are, I just want to know how wealthy and healthy I'm going to be or uh, how happy I'll be. Well, the the goal is that we glorify God. We've been saved to bring him glory. That ought to be foremost on our mind, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. So we want to, what does God have in his word so that I can bring him glory in my life, reflect him uh, in my life? Thirdly, recognize God's sovereignty over all. This is, it just builds our trust. He is the sovereign God. He works in sync with, never apart from, all his other attributes. Uh, if you only think of God being sovereign and you don't bring in all of his other attributes, you might think God is a despot rather than he is perfectly good in what he has ordained. And he is perfectly wise in what he ordained. You could not improve on his, his plan in your life. Well, he gave me the parents, he gave me the family. That was perfect, perfect wisdom. And for your good, you can't improve on a perfect God. So you have to bring all of his attributes in as you dwell and trust him in uh, decision-making. This is a, you don't have this in your notes. Uh, that there's a blank page there. Additional notes if you if this is helpful or not. But before we were in Christ, right before a person gave and trust gave their life to Christ, trusted in Christ, the Bible talks about us as being unbelievers, uh, the old man. And we, our thoughts, affections, and our choices all revolved around us we're born selfish and uh, little children do not say hey mom when you get a chance I know you're busy when you get a chance could you get me something to eat it's all about them the bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 15 that says when Christ died he died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves for the advantage of themselves all their thoughts, affections, volition, all around themselves. And towards God, it's unbelief. They're, just, they're known as unbelievers. That's who we all once were. 
We did not believe in God. We lived for ourselves. And all of that's developed, uh, a lot of these things on that CD of what that means to live for yourself. A lot of different areas of what that means. Then you have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when God saved us, we are now called a new man in Christ. Right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're a new creature in Christ. And now our thoughts, our affections, and our choices, our volition, should be living now, we're living habitually, not perfectly, but living habitually around Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, my chief ambition is to be pleasing to him, whether alive or dead. Now we're all focused, and I, that, that's how you know where a person's really at. Now, you, you may disagree. It's a perspective here on this one. I don't know that you really know where a child is always at with the Lord until the teen years. Uh, they may uh, be believing. They may not. I, it fluctuates back and forth. But in the teen years, it just you almost can see the young man, young woman growing up, and which way are they habitually facing? towards themselves habitually or towards Christ that's 2 Corinthians 5 9 no longer live for the advantage of yourself but now as a believer you live habitually for the advantage of Christ not perfectly we still deal with selfishness throughout the day but habitually which way are you facing when a person's facing towards Christ and seeking to live with him uh, live for him now they grow in their belief. They're growing in their faith towards Christ. You don't need more faith. When God graced you with faith to believe, now that faith needs to exercise and grow and mature. And when the disciples would say, well, we need some more, something other than faith or more faith, the Lord said, no, it's, it's, that, it's not, you don't need an additional thing here. You need to exercise your faith. Grow in your faith. Now you would say, oh, ye of little faith. Grow. The Syrophoenician woman, what great faith. I'm not seeing such great faith in all of Israel with a centurion. And that's kind of helpful. I mean, when a lot of you parents, you've had a little child. The child doesn't need something outside himself in, in the sense of another appendage or something added to his, his physical, his physique, that little child needs to grow. Everything that that child needs to grow as far as apparatus and anatomy is there. Now that child just needs to grow. He's complete. And that little baby, they're complete. Now they need to grow. And I just use that analogy to say when we have faith blessed, when God blesses us with faith to believe, Everything is there. It's a complete package. Even the faith of a mustard seed. If it's exercised, great things can be done. But grow in that faith. And when you look at sanctification, growing faith, the old self to new self, now what happens is it, you keep focusing on Christ. There's a war going on, the spirit against the flesh within. And you can just see more fruitfulness, greater fruit, greater fruit, but we continually move upward 
As 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as we focus on Christ, and we're looking at Christ, we're changed from one degree of glory to another degree. And we just keep moving upwards to be more and more like Christ. We once were old, old man, now we are a new man, but growing in our faith. And our faith is again positioned upon Christ and on his word, and now we're seeking to grow. And eventually, either by death or Christ's return, we'll be in heaven, and that just launches, you know, uh, I mean, there's no end, and it's just hard to fathom. We start thinking more and more about heaven, we should not want to be here. Uh, we just long to be with the Lord, to see him face to face, to live in his presence, to worship him, to be with other saints. Now, some of the other, this is a methodology, a practice. How do we take some of the principles and commands and uh, make decisions on a daily basis? The first item here is to submit your will to God's. It ought to be regular, continuous. Not my will, but your will be done. That that ought to be the prayer. Uh, Just continually have this humble, yielded, dependent will before God. It's not my kingdom come and my will be done. That wasn't how the Lord taught us to pray. It's thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And some people go into decision making saying, this is what I want, now I'm going to go about the processes of getting it. And it's just backwards. Rather than, I see a decision, I may even have a desire of what I'd like for that decision, but I need to back up. Not my will, your will be done. Not hold on to something tightly. Continually, again, have a, this humble, yielded, dependent will. Continually pray for wisdom, for the Spirit of God to assist you in bringing His Word to apply to the situation, and even using other godly people to help you, to come around and encourage you and say, Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Just yesterday, a dear friend of mine, colleague at school, I mean, he. He came and he said, you know, I'm counseling this, this couple and this is the situation. And it was, it was challenging. It was very challenging. Uh, it's not always complicated. It's just challenging. And the more we were talking and discussing, well, it could be this, they could do this, they could do that. And the more we kept dialing, yeah, but how about this biblical principle? And he, yeah, but what about this one? And how we factor this one in and this one? And, and it's so helpful, not just a kind of lean on your own understanding, but to have other people taking scripture and let's, let's work at this. We used to do this in staff meetings a lot on counseling scenarios, counseling situations, that what do we do in this situation? But pray for wisdom. And thirdly there, gather as much of the factual data as you can to make a wise decision. This would just mean the weightier the decision, the more you want information about what's the decision at hand. If it's a job change, 
well, what do you know about this other company? And what do you know about who's, who's worked there? And would it require a move? And you, you just explore the information. It's, it's like schools, if you're considering going to a school. Well, why that school? What does that school believe? What do they teach? Have you talked to anybody who's been there recently? I know a lot of parents who send their kids to their alma mater, and their alma mater has changed. And maybe it was good at, when they went through, but we're talking 40, 50 years out sometimes, or more than that, and, and oh, they've drifted. You don't want to send your children or grandchildren to these kind of schools. So you want to gather as much information as possible. Proverbs 18, verse 13 you don't really want to answer anything, whether it's a person or even a decision, without getting the information. He who does that, it's usually folly and shame. It's a foolish decision, whether it's with a person or about a situation. And again, the weightier the situation, the more time is spent trying to gather information. When I stand um, in the morning you know, in the closet and I've got to get dressed... I don't go through worksheets. I don't, you know, it doesn't take me an hour to work through a decision. It's, it's important that I wear something. But, you know, it's kind of quick, quick in your mind, you know, some biblical principles, you know, of, well, modesty, appropriateness. Is it clean? Is it going to offend other people? <laughs> you know, and does it match? I mean, does it just look like the lights were out? And, and then I just, I, I just move on. Is it going to draw all kinds of attention to myself, or will it just, that won't happen? I mean, some people dress to get attention. It just, no, I just want to fulfill those principles, and I move on. But when you start talking about decisions of a move, or who to marry, or a school to attend, or a purchase of something that's expensive, and you get into some of these weightier decisions more time should be spent gathering information. I'll illustrate that uh, as we continue on. So you have this, the, your attitude should be humble, submissive. Then you move in after gathering the information. You start with what are the commands? Let's just start with the scripture. What are the clear commands? Are there any clear commands that tell me don't do whatever is the decision is or to do it? And I'll just say right now, you probably won't find that many unless you just don't want to please God. Uh, then you're going to hit all kinds of commands. But if your heart is set to follow the Lord and you know his word fairly well, you'll probably line up pretty well with the commands. You know, you know well, should I lie or not lie? You go, well, it's not, I'm not going to lie. I think you're tracking with me there. You're not going to hit too many of these in some decisions that you're facing. They're, you're already wanting to seek to obey the Lord. Now, if you're forced in a situation where you're going to violate one of these, then the answer is no. You have to obey his commands. This is where most believers don't spend much time is in this one right here, principles. The more I listen to individuals, they go, well, God doesn't say, I, I, I can't do it, so I'm, I'm off to it. I'm going to go do whatever I want. Well, what about principles? 
And you, sometimes you even read, if God doesn't forbid something or command something, do whatever you want. And you're going, whoa, wait, wait a minute. There's a whole section of Scripture and its principles that are the compass that give some light uh, to your path. Let's spend some time thinking about principles. And so the, uh, what you have there is study the applicable principles in Scripture concerning this issue. Wisdom is at its purest in Scripture and then starts to rely more on human reasoning. The more you go out from Scripture, the more subjective it gets. And it starts advice, experiences, but the more objective wisdom is going to be with Scripture. This is one of the most neglected areas of decision-making. And so we want to talk about your walk with Christ. What are some principles there? How will this decision, can I thank God for this decision? I mean, if I choose this or this, can I thank God for that? And if you go, well, I don't know that God really, you know, would be thrilled about that. Well, right there would be a, a good principle that you're probably not wise to pursue it. Is this something that will bring God glory? It would reflect back to him and to other people. This is, this is God-like. Uh, it's good. It's, it's wise. Uh, it's holy. Think of some of the characteristics of God. would actually reflect some of those. Up at the top of page 10, is this following the example of Christ? You know, people say, walk as Christ walked. I mean, he said that. Walk as uh, the apostle John did. And people will say, well, do what Jesus would do. Well, what would he do? Well, let's look what he did. Let's watch him in the Gospels. And all of Scripture, the teaching, would be in accordance with what the Lord would want. So let's think about the example of Christ. Is this beneficial? Would it promote your spiritual life? Is this a practice that over time could actually control you? I read a statistic, and I... Oh, it's been a year since I, I, I won't get it right, so I, I dare not go down that path of the exact statistic. But uh, those who smoke cigarettes, it's staggering the person who, after their like, third cigarette, how many are enslaved to it. it um, they, they've done all kinds of statistics. You know, a person who may try one, I mean in our country or around the world and uh, not for me but the person who, like it's like the third one it's like they're they're hooked it, it, and you're sometimes there may be and I'm maybe a poor analogy there but some decisions that you may be faced with that it's you say well I can handle this this is okay but in time could it actually control you I know people that are absolutely controlled by the computer or by TV or and they never thought about it would master me and it's just you don't want to be a slave to anything except to Christ. And so for some people they just have to pull back. I remember Dr. MacArthur saying he, there are times when he he'll pass up a dessert. He said I could eat that dessert. But at times he says, I just say no to it. Just, I just want, don't want anything to master me. That I have to have 
things that I don't always need. You may say, well, I need desserts. That'd be different. But you you follow that. Is, Is this something that could actually control me? So I need to be really careful about decisions that I make. Is this an occasion where my flesh, my sinfulness, is looking to indulge itself? And I'm going to try to do something or make the decision to get something that really is just fleshly, it's sinful. So you want to consider your walk with the Lord. You want to think about influence on others. Is this, would you want other people doing what you're doing? So, and you've heard that before. Do as I, I say, but don't do as I do. That's terrible. That's awful. We're to walk, imitate. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Are you not seeking outside counsel due to wanting what you want? Have you started isolating yourself on this decision? Well, that's not, you wouldn't want anyone to imitate that. Is it self-serving? Will this choice affect other people around you? If so, in what ways? Most decisions do affect other people. Is it constructive? Will it promote your spiritual well, the spiritual well-being of other people, other believers? So you're, these are all principles that don't tell you yay or nay necessarily, but are a compass. It, it, it's helping you focus in a direction where there's freedom, but it's a little more clear path to follow in your decision making. Then you have, is there a God-given need for me to do this? Sometimes you have a desire, but the, the need's not there. I know some people go, man, I, have a, I, I want to plant a church uh, here in this town. Well, is there a need for a church to be planted in this town? No. You may have a desire, a good desire. The need may not be there. There's just, there's just not a need in this particular town. Then sometimes you have a need, but you don't have the opportunity uh, to actually carry something out. You can't uh, fulfill everyone's need. Every need is not a God-given appointment for you to, to meet. And so the opportunity, you may hear that this person needs a sum of money, and you're thinking, I'm just a poor college student. I, mean, I don't have the money. I don't have the opportunity to meet that. That's a true need this person has, but I don't, I don't have the opportunity to actually be the person to meet it. However, I know some people, and I can make, I can make some phone calls, and maybe God can use other people and come around to meet that. And so you're just asking questions here that kind of help you focus on what is the wisest decision when there may be some freedom with the principles. Once you kind of walk through some of these, and that'll go faster. The more you do this, the more these principles can kind of line up. You're used to them. At first, you have to consciously think about them but the more you make decisions this way, the faster it becomes. It becomes a new habit, and you can do it consciously, I mean unconsciously almost, 
comfortably. Then desires. You sort of want to leave your desire towards the end, not driving things from the beginning. At the end, is this a desire that would be God-honoring based on everything else that I've looked at in Scripture as far as delighting in the Lord and in his word? What do I want at this point? The term wish is used in 1 Corinthians 7, about, even about a single person. Does she wish to be married? Okay, she wishes to be single, that's fine. Desire is in there. Does she want to be or not be? It shouldn't have to be. And will it bring glory to God? And so at the very end of the process, you, know, you start again with your a humble attitude, you gather the information, you go to the commands, you go to the principles, and then you go, now, in light of all that, I'm still here, nothing is shut down. What would I like to do for the glory of God? And if you still can't decide, and you go, I don't know, I'm still struggling with this decision, you may possibly need to put a hold on it and not make the decision if what you're thinking could be sinful or about to choose might be sinful. That's called uh, the holding principle. It's in Romans 14, I want to say 22. Is that where my thinking right? Fourteen twenty-three. It's there in your notes. If it's not from faith, it's sin. The unconscious issues. If it's not from faith, it's sin. And if you think I could actually be sinning in something I choose here, you better hold and go back and start doing the process again. Right attitude. Go to the Word of God, commands, principles, and it may you, you might find the answer as you're going through the scriptures on that one. So you don't ever want to violate your conscience. It's our guard, not our guide. Then possibly go back and gather more da- data, and that's what I was talking about. If you think you might actually sin in a decision, don't ever violate your conscience. Then decide. Actually make your decision and trust God. This is the Proverbs 16.9 where a man's heart plans his way and God redirects his steps. In James uh, chapter 4 at the end when a person says who plans his his next day or what he's going to go in that city and buy and do all these things and says, oh no, no, don't do that. Don't plan what you're going to do and not do. Instead, say, Lord willing, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. So God's not against planning ahead. He's saying, make sure you lift your plans up to the Lord, and whatever the Lord sovereignly is going to do on his end, on his decreed end, this is what I think goes according to Scripture, and now I'm going to trust God's aspect of his will to redirect my steps or carry this out. It, it frees you up. It did me because I would second-guess myself to death. 
called what the, analysis, the paralysis of analysis. I would second guess. I don't know if that's what would please the Lord. I just don't know. Even when I got married, I'd say to my wife, you going to follow me? She says, well, when you start moving somewhere. I mean, and she didn't say just like that, but you get the point. I wasn't moving. I was afraid to make decisions. Maybe this isn't what the Lord wants. Maybe it is what he wants. It's almost as if I wanted to know what God's decreed will was when that's secret. This is the will he wants us to know, and so the more I would just go, okay, this is the commands and principles. We're moving ahead. And then trusting God and his decreed aspect that he'll rearrange, he'll redirect my steps, Proverbs 16.9. He'll redirect as he sees fit. Oh, so he takes care of his part. And he holds me responsible to follow his work with the Spirit's help. Boy, that just, you talk about decision making and leadership for men uh, and leading, it just takes a major burden off. Is God just holds me responsible for what he's revealed. I don't have to go searching in the dark for something. And it just helps with decision making and starting to make decisions that way and we began using worksheets which we're going to look at in that next, the last session of how to actually walk through some case studies well what if you want to join a church how do you, how do you go about that what if um, you want to buy a pet how do you go about that and just walk them through the commands, principles but the decision make your decision and then trust God. Now, before we get into that next session, this might be a good place for questions that you might have on a biblical methodology, a biblical practice. If, um, if the me fleshing out two examples in that next session will answer the question, I might just pass, pass on and go, we'll deal with that. You'll see how it's done. But any questions here on just a biblical practice itself? It's not complicated. It's really not. Uh, children can learn this. It's not complicated. Much of Scripture is not complicated. It's, it's just challenging to implement it in our life. And the Spirit is there to help us. You don't need a PhD to figure this out. But it's just challenging. In all those situations, we learn, we grow. Lord, help me to do what your word says to do. Any dis- questions? Yes, sir. Right. Um, by orchestrating circumstances is that he might so start turning situations that now you need to make a biblically informed decision here when you thought it was going to be here. Um, I'll try to illustrate this. Let's just say um, 
a guy wants to um, go into ministry, his church leadership agrees, so he goes, now, what school should I look at attending? And so he does his investigation. He looks at this one school, he kind of narrows it down. He's, he's trying to make these commands and principles, narrows it down. This looks like the best school. Uh, I'm going to apply to that. So he, he's kind of going this direction. He makes application. And God in his providence turns that and shuts it down. In other words, he's not, he's not accepted. What does he do now? There's not an opportunity to go to that school. So he, he's got a decision to make whether or not he says, well, let me back up and look at some of these other schools. And maybe uh, this ran a close second to it. And now he's kind of turning this direction. He didn't let that make his decision. Now he's got to think through this school or another one. The circumstances won't make your decision. They just sort of push you up to the place where you now have to make a decision. I think Jay Adams calls it circumstances, God's providence, will, will push you up to the place of a crossroads of a decision-making but don't just go with flow. Make a biblically informed decision. Some guy might say, you know, I could marry any one of the three girls who love the Lord that I know. Well, you shouldn't know them that well enough that you could just marry any three of them. But if he chooses to go towards one of them and asks her and God providentially, she says no, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be one of the other two either. So now he's got to think a biblically informed decision of does he ask either one of the others or is it someone totally different? It's just not going with circumstances. I know, in other words, whatever the circumstances are, I make my decisions. Here, I'll give you an illustration. Maybe this will be the best one. We wanted to get a pet. I grew up on a farm in a rural area, so it's kind of nice coming back into a rural area. I'm just like, oh, this is great. And our children were little. I thought it'd be really nice for them to have a, a dog. And so Zondra agreed. We thought this would be great. We didn't think much about it at the time, but we were coming out of a Walmart just walking on a Saturday morning outside Walmart, and this lady comes up to me and says, would you like a, would you like a dog? I go, what? Some people would go, there's a sign, right? I mean, they would go, oh, this is of God. Why did you just ask us that? Well, you look like a young couple. It was at the time, a young couple. And if you... If you have children, you know, uh, a dog is really good with children. Uh, our, my kids have grown and gone, and it just, it just kind of sits there at the house and, you know, want to give it to someone. Huh. Well, what kind of dog is it? How, well, how old is it? Is it going to die on us, like, within a week? How old is it? Um, what kind is it? Was it purebred spits? 
and just get, get it, give it away. So there's stewardship issues. You know, in principle, I'm going, well, free. Uh, I'm just trying to think through how big is it. Good with children? All right. I'm kind of can we come see it? Went over there. It was, it was pure white. It was, its name was Snowball. Subtitle was Dog from Hades. Uh, that was in the not so clear print. So we see this dog and really nice. And we said, well, we know why you want to give it away. Well, here, here's, uh, can we try it for a week? And in other words, if it doesn't work with us, can I bring this thing back? She said, sure. So we took it home, and it did more damage at our house in three days. It tore screens apart. It nails just clawed wood. It did its thing on our bedspread. I mean, it, it about smothered our children. And she said, oh, by the way, on our way out, it... It, it gets anxious when there's thunderstorms. That was an understatement. <laughs> the term neurotic mean anything to you? <laughs> Three days, it was disaster. I was in the car taking it back. So it wasn't just circumstances. We were trying to think through the principles, stewardship, uh, it was not safe around children. We found that one out once we had it. But we were trying to think through various things, not just that she came up to us and said, would we like a dog? That was not God's will, um, I mean, in, permanently. So those are things that kind of help us as some things you're able to turn and then make a biblically informed decision, what do we do at this point? So if, that, if that's helpful at all, it's just um, God's using those circumstances, but not to make our decision, but to push us to make a biblically informed decision. Okay. Those resources listed on page 14. Uh, Gary Friesen's book. This one up here. It's very thick. It's not a read in 10 minutes, an hour. But Gary Friesen, I think, helped the Christian community to really start thinking about God's clear commands and principles. And this was back in the 70s when he first wrote this. This is a revised edition. It's kind of a classic book on decision-making. Very helpful to get a, a good feel of commands and principles. Uh, Kevin DeYoung's book, Just Do Something, that's a newer book. And it's, it's short, it's succinct, you could read it in a half hour. And that, a lot of our students find that helpful. Uh, I'm going down there. Gary Gilley, is that you, Lord? He's writing on uh, against mysticism and how to keep with Scripture and not go beyond what Scripture says. 
So if you have friends like that who are way off of Scripture, that might be a helpful book to call them back. John MacArthur's book, Found God's Will, that's a very short read. When I look through that list, some of the ones, if I, you know, if it's mysticism that's huge in someone's life, Gary's book would be a, a very helpful read for them. And he goes through Gary Gilly, because he goes through a lot of uh, passages that are misused by people. Uh, I like Kevin DeYoung's book, that it's short and simple, specifically for students. Gary Meter's book, Decision Making God's Way, would, would be a very helpful read. And I don't know if it's how much in print it is. It came out back in 2003, but that he does a good job of um, getting us back to the Word. It's easier read, shorter read than Friesen. And you gave away David Swavely's book, uh, Decisions, Decisions. That is a very helpful read. I know Dave, Dave personally and a great guy and solid with the Scripture. So, you know, a lot of those are listed. One you can pull right off online, R.B. Kuyper. Uh, he is with the Lord now. I mean, uh, but that came out in print 2004. Arthur Johnson is out of print, Faith Misguided. So sometimes, Taj, you know, when you said which one would you recommend, it's kind of what's a person facing. And if they're a good student and reader, I can get, I'd encourage maybe something longer. If it's someone who's, it's a huge feat to read for a half hour, maybe a shorter booklet like Kevin DeYoung's. Even Jay Adams, A Christian Guide to Guidance, is very simple. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to stand up. Um, we have like a seven-minute break, and then uh, come back. What's that? Oh, they have snacks for this break. All right, well, then we're not coming back in seven minutes.